when we think about the calendar and filling it out for the year, it generally centers around the school year. Even if you don't have children or it's been a year since you've been in school, you travel, plan, and celebrate around semesters because traveling, flights, and the entire economy is based on the breaks in education. So fall marks the new beginning, the new year. As our high holy days become fall reading week, winter break, and spring break, ending with the high holy days of summer. These are the times that we plan festivals, parties, great stories that animate the rest of our year. As we're approaching the Yule time, the Christmas season, our tradition's high holy days, we are reminded that the calendars originally were invented to mark sacred time, not educational breaks. The first calendars would resemble the liturgical calendars we hear about, the ones that tell us when to celebrate, when to throw parties, where we would gather around sacred space in order to tell sacred stories in a sacred time to remember who we are. The act of collective remembering remembers or reattaches us to our community, to the whole body of believers, past, present, and future. November 29th starts the season of Advent, which means the coming of Jesus, because that's what Advent means. It comes from the Latin to say the coming. So it talks about the incarnation when God became one of us. This focuses our attention on becoming our hoped-for future by naming the characteristics of Jesus' coming kingdom. A kingdom which is born out of a community marked with hope, peace, joy, and love. Which are the topics of the Sunday's counting down to Christmas. But today, the first Sunday of Advent, we begin by anticipating the second Advent, the second coming, where Jesus returns to become our Prince of Peace, where there will be no longer weapons of war, no longer a second amendment, but only the call to neighbor. Now, I was going to look at Luke 1 to listen to the resonance and echoes of Exodus and Numbers in Mary's Magnificat, the poetry inspired by God when Mary meets her cousin Elizabeth witnessing the world shift as God embraced present vulnerability over a distant power by becoming one of us human, vulnerable, at risk. But I couldn't shake the words from 1 Thessalonians where Paul reimagined what the community could be as it looked for and anticipated Jesus' return. And since it is the first Sunday of Advent, I felt compelled to shift my focus in 1 Thessalonians, Paul outlines what a community anticipated Advent looks like. Or in other words, he tries to answer one simple question. What makes us prepared to join Jesus' celebration in the end of time? Now, if your image, if your imagination for the end of days when you stand before God is shaped by seeing your lack, your limitedness, or falling short, then you might be tempted to close ranks and purify. The focus will become prohibition, naming what we disagree with, what we shouldn't do. It'll be limiting and somewhat demanding, rather than generative and creative. If you see celebration at the end, though, when you see Jesus, you might try to make friends with anyone who could be on the guest list, because parties are best when shared. So now, 
Let's lean into Paul's message to Thessalonians by walking through 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 to 13. It says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow in love to one another and for all people, just as we also do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. As we hear walking through that, he is sitting as a community who just responded to the first advent, anticipating the second advent in this time where it says not just Jesus is returning, but Jesus and all the holy ones, all the saints, all the people who could be named in the party return in this moment. So you're not just preparing to meet God, you're preparing to meet everybody with God. So let's just draw a few points out of this for this Advent season. Now, the first I want you to notice, he says that I want you to be overflowing with love for each other and all of humanity, which means it's okay to have categories, to see and to name difference. Because without admitting that we see difference, we make love an abstraction, a theory you can never take because unlike Jesus, it never becomes incarnate and lived. When Advent shows us that love is never abstract, it is always particular, always rooted in lived experience. It must be a response to a specific person in time, just like Jesus entered into the life of Mary, into the story of Israel. It is a particular responsive moment. To overflow in love for one another and for all people demands that we recognize our tribe and we celebrate them. Because sometimes we can feel angst with our tribe, our people, our tradition. And so we'll actually side with those around us as opposed to saying, no, I'm part of my people. I'm celebrating my tribe. But it says to overflow with love for your tribe, your people, your tradition while seeing those around us and responding to their specific need. We may be tempted to be too enlightened to see a difference, saying, I treat everyone the same, there's no difference, there's no rhyme. Or too combative to sit in the tension and embrace the beauty of intolerance. To where we'll say things like, I'm only stating my mind, my opinion, and we claim these emphatic moments that we choose a side too passionately. But if we ignore a person's experience, we erase the value that they can add to us so that we can naively claim, I do not see a difference. If we're being too stubborn to listen, we close off to finding God in places we could never see coming, that we could never have without the other person's view who could never mirror our own. Because we are in need of all humanity because God is so large. So Paul prays that you will grow in love for yours and those you wouldn't identify with, that you would grow in passionate love for your community while being able to see the resonance, the echo, and the beauty of God incarnate within those around us, that you will name difference and move towards them. This is, after all, the very story of Advent. So this is not a command to convert, to change, to correct, to challenge nor to coerce, but to love lavishly. And for it to be love, the object of the action must be able to recognize it as loving. 
Although I want to take a small pause, a small caveat. This still needs wisdom because an abusive person can and will use the call for love to be experienced as loving to destroy. And this will cause pain, havoc, and chaos in any healthy boundary system. So when I say the object of the love must be able to experience it as love, this still requires us to say, is this wise? Is this good? Is this beautiful? Because the person, if they are in a toxic system, may just abuse and destroy. But what it would look like, what it would require of us, would be kind of a modified version of a scholar named Thomas Orge's definition of love. And in the modified reading, it would say, love is to act intentionally in sympathetic and empathetic response to God through engaging others, promoting their overall well-being. Because I think the part that needs to be adjusted in his definition, he says to God and others. But I think the only way that we can actually love God is through others. So to love is to act intentionally in empathetic and sympathetic response to God through engaging others, promoting their overall well-being. So if you overflow with love and it becomes overzealous love, then the person may withdraw, retreat, and try to protect themselves, experiencing a trauma rather than a blessing. So again, it's okay and healthy to have categories. It's how we process the world. It's okay to see difference because difference can be a gift. As one of my favorite professors, Dr. Fontaine, would always tell me, that the greatest gift of the other is understanding yourself. Because without the other, without them that are different, you would never know self. So the categories help us identify whether we are loving those who are like us and those who identify as something not us, or if we can only love things that reflect ourselves back to us. So again, and within this category, the mark of growth we want to see this Advent season, as we're saying, what does it look like to anticipate the kingdom to come? It looks like a growth and celebration that increases overflowing love for one another and everyone. So are you ready to meet Jesus? Now, often we say this and we think of the sinner's prayer and we can shut off. But in light of this Advent season, that it is the Advent, the Advent to come, it is the coming of Jesus incarnate and the Jesus kingdom to come, are you ready to meet Jesus? Has to be answered with, can you lavishly love the LGBTQ community and the fundamentalist? Baby boomers through Gen Z, our country and those countries affected by our economy and our policies because it can't be one nation above all it must be us looking for humanity are we growing in love for the whole church or only our particular tribe because we are to grow in lavish love for our community one another and all of humanity the second point to bring out is Paul frames the overflowing love for as a causative force. It is how God establishes your heart or makes you ready to celebrate the second advent with Jesus. Because the only thing that can prepare you for Jesus' party is growing in love for each person's particularity that Jesus would invite to the party and allowing God to use this love for to make us blameless without fault, fully established and confident. 
that he would use this love for, not as pure moral coding, but to say, by my investment into you, I realize this divine investment to where I don't stand without brokenness, but I stand without broken relationship because I invest myself into this community and the world community. I invest myself into humanity and I experience the God in the other. Let's say lastly, and this is a particular call to folks. This is the type of community we hope to become and we're trying to become. One preparing for the world we hope to inhabit by creating space for us to overflow with love. For each other, which looks like growing in our love for the church, not only our particular church of foes, but actually being able to grow in our appreciation, our expectation, and our joy in the wider church. And for everyone, which looks like creating room for differences without conformity which looks like creating room for an entire spectrum, not those within one or two degrees of us who speak within one or two words of us who may be like us, but at most they can be two steps removed, that we create this lavish space that all people can be present because we're not trying to control where you land. We're trying to invite into process. And like Paul says in this, that he will cause, he hopes, he prays that we'll be so overwhelming with love that Jesus and the Father will be able to establish us for the kingdom to come. But this won't just happen because humanity works through mimetic response, through imitation, through seeing then doing, which leads to the last and most promising line for us. When Paul says, I want you overwhelming with this overflowing exuberant love. When he says he wants it to increase and to overflow for each other, and for everyone, he has this tagline of just as we also do for you. So he says, become like us. It won't just happen. We will have to practice graciously expanding towards inclusion to model a community which loves the church, creates space for everyone, names and celebrates difference, then measured preparedness to meet Jesus by our increased and overflowing capacity to love each other our tradition, and those of all humanity. And in this, we'll become the community that we want to be. We'll be able to fully enter into Advent as we get ready for the second Advent by expanding our love for all those Jesus would include. So I'd like to close with a benediction. Praying over us, the very words that Paul spoke. So may the Lord flood you with an unending, undying love for one another and for all humanity, like our love for you, so that your hearts will be reinforced with his strength, held blameless and holy before God our Father, when our Lord Jesus, the anointed, the liberating King appears, along with all his holy ones. Amen.